Hello, family. We're here again and today with a listener question. Should Christians practice yoga? And this is a tough topic because this has brought a lot of division in the church. So we're going to take a look at it. Today's episode is going to be part one of part two. And we are going to just be looking at yoga itself. What is the philosophy of it? What do, what do the poses mean? Those kind of questions will be answered in today's episode. Look in the show notes because I will have wonderful stretches for you guys to do and follow if you do love stretches, but you don't want to practice yoga. Also, there'll be other uh, videos and resources in the show notes to go a little deeper on the topic as I'm going to be skimming the surface and really teaching you guys what God's word has to say. Because at the end of the day, guys, that is our final authority. Everyone's got an opinion, but the only opinion that matters is the truth of God's word. God bless you. Hi, family. Welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse, one letter at a time, with real-life application? Then this podcast is for you. My name is Amy, and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood, and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's Word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another? They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Super excited. Today we have a listener question. The question is one that I actually get and hear a lot is should Christians participate in yoga? And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. What is yoga? Why my answer is what it is. What does the Bible have to say? Because that's all that matters is what is God's word? That is our final authority in everything in our life, period, end of subject. So uh, yoga literally means to yoke up or to unite oneself with the universe or the gods of that practice. It is a religious practice. It's a Hindu religious practice that serves to worship over 33 million Hindu gods. And this is part of their practice. It's very much like um, some of our practices in Christianity would be communion, would be baptisms. Well, this is part of their practice. It's not for health reasons necessarily. This is an old ancient practice It's to unite them with the specific deity in which they're doing the yoga pose for. And it's to bring them closer to that deity or to get the reward or what they need from that deity. And so I thought that, you know, just some things that are really interesting is we need to understand that um, just because something, and we'll we'll kind of get into this a little bit more, just because something might be good for us 
in some aspect doesn't mean we should be participating in it. Okay. And we're going to talk about that biblically and what, what the Lord has said about that specifically. So we know that yoga is a very sacred path. Uh, uh, it's a very sacred um, practice and it's a practice among mainly Hindus, but also Buddhists. And then there's other, some other Eastern religions that um, have a lot to do that, that practice this sacred worship. It is worship of deities, but whether we, we in the West, we can try to minimize it, take the God part out of it, take the worship part out of it, but you can't because it, it'd be like taking our communion cup as Christians and then taking God out of it and, and just taking the Christian out of it. That's the very essence of Christianity. It's, it's the Lord's supper. It's what he taught his disciples to do and said, you know, you're going to do this you know, until I return. I mean, this is, it's a very sacred, very intimate, personal, beautiful part of our Christianity that's been afforded to us. And that is exactly how they look at it. It's exactly what it is for them. And so what a lot of people don't know is that every yoga pose has a story behind it, a story behind it with, with the deity or with the God in which they're worshiping in that pose. I'm just going to give you one just because I thought it was interesting. I thought it'd be, I thought you guys might like it. So I'm just going to do the half moon pose. So the half moon pose is where you have one hand going up and the other hand going down and you're doing this stretch. I don't do yoga, but you can look it up. If you're reading my blog, I have a photo of it on the blog and I'll probably have it on the YouTube as well, just so you can kind of see the pose. All right. And so the half moon pose is known as the Arda Chandra. Arda means half, and Chandra is the name of the moon god. It's a story of Shiva and Parvati's son, excuse me, these names are hard for me to pronounce, Ganesha, the elephant-headed god. So I'm just going to kind of read this to you. If you're on YouTube, you're watching me kind of read, because it's just easier for me. All right. So the elephant-headed god. So this is a a little god. It's a god that's got an elephant head, and it's going to tell you why. So Ganesha tends to resonate strongly with yoga practitioners. He is said to be the remover of obstacles and that they call on him whenever they need help clearing their path. While Shiva was away meditating in the Himalayas, Pravati was home alone and wanted a long, relaxing bath. She was worried about intruders, so she decided to create a sun and a bodyguard by taking turmeric paste She was using on her skin and shaping it like clay into the form of a boy. She named her son Ganesha, asked him to keep watch outside her door with strict orders to not let anybody in. Okay, so here's this woman. She is wanting to take a bath. She's wanting to be protected. She doesn't want anybody bothering her. And so she decides, I'm just going to make a son. And we don't, they don't make a son the natural way. Like you and I would have to go make a son. She uses turmeric paste. And this turmeric paste is what she created this son with. And her husband or her, her mate was away meditating in the Himalayas at the time. So he wasn't around. And so she posted her son outside her bathroom door while she takes her long bath and gives him specific instructions. Do not let anybody in no matter what. Okay. 
Well, remember the son just got made, so he doesn't realize there's a partner. So here comes the second part of this. So Q Shiva is returning home from his meditation and Shiva arrived home only to find a strange boy preventing him from entering his home. So he declared war. So Shiva fought the boy Ganesha and chopped off his head. Okay. So when Parvati saw the carnage, she was furious and she come out of the bath and told Shiva that he had just killed his own son. Shiva immediately sets off to make things right by killing an elephant in the woods and giving the head to Ganesha, restoring him with the added powers of this ferocious elephant to destroy any obstacles in the path. So here comes the husband comes home. There's this young guy like guarding this bath and won't let him in and so he's like who are you to tell me i can't enter my own house so he declares war he chops the kid's head off the wife comes out of the bath like oh my gosh what did you do i had created us a son out of the turmeric paste you just killed your own son and so of course because he's like oh my gosh my wife's mad at me and every man knows like happy life happy happy wife happy life right gotta get her not to be so mad. So I'm just going to go out and I'm going to kill an elephant and I'm just going to bring the head of the elephant back and I'm going to put it back on this, this kid's body and then it, everything will be good. And then we'll just, he's just that. And now, um, because I, I got a fear, a fierce elephant that, and it's an elephant head on his body. Now he'll be able to clear all obstacles of any path. That's only one half of the story. And that's why it's called a half moon. The other half of the story is, however, there's also a sweet story about Ganesha and his brother, Kartikya. As children, they were competing to prove which one of them loved their parents the most. And to prove their devotion, they decided to race around the world. Whoever won would be crowned the most loving child. Karnika was known for riding around on a peacock, and his which would have been his vehicle of choice to ride around the world, where Ganesha decided he was going to travel on a mouse. So it seemed apparent that Kanisha, that Kartikia would win. Kartikia took off on his peacock to, at top speed to navigate the whole world. But Ganesha rode in a small circle on his mouse around where his parents sat. And when they asked him, why are you doing that? Why are you just going around us? He responded, because you're my whole world. Well, of course, that was such a precious response that Ganesha won the race. So it's often said about Ganesha that he destroys the obstacles of those who, so like when you do this yoga pose, you, you go and you have all these burdens. And so because you have all these burdens and you feel like there's just all these obstacles in your way, this is what the yoga pose is all about. So what happens is because this was so sweet of what he did. So Ganesha has this birthday once a year where he has milk and ghee and candy and cakes. Okay. So because of it's a sweet story that he won this race. Okay. So now what he does is once a year, he collect, he has all these sweet cakes and whatnot. And so once a year on his birthday, it is said that Ganesha had spent the evening gorging himself. So this happened one time. It's not every year. So on his birthday, he spent the, on this particular year gorging himself on 
the sufferings of people. Okay. And so and he went out one night and he was riding home on his mouse and snake come across the mouse called Mushak. The snake comes on, on the path of wherever he was riding his mouse. Okay. Cause he had just gorged himself with all these cakes and candies and all these things. And so He's riding around on his mouse on his birthday. A snake comes across, scares the mouse. So he, this, the mouse got so scared that the mouse started going crazy. And Ganesha lost his balance and fell off the mouse. Okay. And this broke his belly. And when his belly broke open, all the sweet stuff come out of his belly. So he grabs the snake and he ties it around his belly, puts all the cakes and cookies and snacks and sweet treats back into his belly, and then ties the snake around the belly to hold it all back in. I, I know this stuff sounds really crazy, but every yoga pose has stories like this. It's not done yet. So the moon god, which is Chandra, remember the name, remember the name of this particular uh, half moon pose is known as the Arda Chandra. So the moon god, Chandra, saw this happen. She, she, he, whatever, happened to see Ganesha riding around his mouth. The snake comes. He falls out, belly open. Sweets go everywhere. He ties the snake around his belly, puts all the sweets back in his belly. And this moon god saw this happen and, and was laughing. She thought he, she, whatever, the, this, this false god was laughing hysterically at Ganesha. He was desperate not to release the sweets. So good, like I said, he tied the snake, the snake around him. And as the moon god was watching all this, the moon god continued to laugh. So Ganesha became angry at the moon god. And so he took the tusk. Remember, he's half elephant. He's got the elephant, he's got an elephant head. He took the tusk off of his head and then he hurled it up to the moon god to punish the moon god for laughing at him while while this was a bad state for him to be in and, he, and the moon god thought it was funny so he he takes his tusk off of his elephant head and throws it to the moon god and then the story continues that the moon god was extinguished and forced into hiding which caused caused the world to go into darkness and dangerous nights but then after a few days ganesha took pity on the on the moon god chandra and promised to restore chandra's light to him as he in a compromise, but only to shine at full brightness once a month. And on the other times of the month, he would shine in with less intensity, which is where we get our moon phases. So this is a whole thing, guys. This is like a whole deep philosophy, religious, false philosophy here, just in this one pose. This one pose answers the question why we why the moon has phases according to the hindu religion and god okay the bible can give you a whole nother answer but you know by all means here we are adopting the form of ganesha in this position so now you picture the position you have one arm reaching to the moon and then you have one arm reaching to the floor half moon pose it's a reminder of balance it's a reminder of balance, not only between what yoga practitioners view as difficulties of what they see as sweets and had to learn to do, 
even the physical stance presents difficulty. So this is a very difficult stance. And it's a reminder that life is hard, but life is sweet. And it, it has difficulties and it can be challenging. And we have to find the balance between those two things. And it can be very uncomfortable doing this in life. And we are to, to lay our burdens down. So when you have all these burdens that you need to lay down, or you need obstacles cleared out of your way, you are to do the half moon pose and it will, it will strengthen you. It will remind you of life's difficulties, but it will also the Ganesha, the, the, the God, he will, he will remember he's a fierce elephant head. He will remove any obstacles that need to be removed that that's what's going on here it says therefore sweetness is their struggles and the lesson that helps them grow and they believe when they can transform their obstacles into sweet treats such as such as the candies the sacrifices of ganesha that they give up the fight in favor of sweet treats so ganesha will remove the obstacles that are in their way the burdens that they're having and he will give them sweet things instead good things will come to them i know i just kind of read that I'm not an expert in yoga or yoga poses or all the different stories. They all have a unique story. And, and that story is just one of many, but I thought that was really interesting. And then they give you the mantras to call on the power of Ganesha, Ganesha. So each yoga pose has its own story. It has mantras. It has, um, specific things you're trying to do in that story. So like if you're trying to do the if you have obstacles that need cleared and you want to trade those obstacles for good, good things in your life, then we're going to do this particular pose. We're going to say this mantra because that's going to call upon the power of Ganesha to move those obstacles. And so it's a whole religious thing. This is not just about stretching. And that's the big deception that Satan has brought in to the Christian community is that it's just about health. It's just about stretching. I don't actually worship that God. I don't actually, you know, I play Christian music when I'm doing it. And it is a great deception, you guys. And we're going to end in part one right here and go into part two, because I do like to keep these about 15 minutes long for you guys. And the next episode, we're going to talk about what the Bible has to say, trying to bridge other religions and religious practices in honoring and worship of God. And so we're going to talk about those kind of things on the next episode. Lord, I just want to lift up every listener here today. Father God, give them eyes to see and ears to hear as we are going through a tough topic. It's one that has caused a lot of division. It is one that many think that they're right in their own eyes about. It's one that they really think that this is something why God judges my heart. But Lord, as we know, we must take everything back to the word of God. And so we are grateful that we have your word that we can look to for these more difficult topics, Father God, especially as this stuff has infiltrated here into the West and has been Christianized, Lord, and to see how you feel about these things. And so I thank you, Lord, for each listener. I ask that you bring them back for next week's episode as that just continue to teach us, to grow us, to transform us by your word together as one body unified in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. 
Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.